We all, we all end up in places and in situations and people hurt us and those kind of things go down all around us. And we're going to talk a little bit about, about that today. Because we all face difficult times, difficult seasons. People are going to hurt you. They just will. They may know it. I mean, it may even be intentional. But it may not. You know, you may be going through something and somebody says something to you and they don't know what that means. And in the back of your head, it's like, man, it just brings you straight down. Like they just punched you in the gut. They don't even know. But there could be somebody in your life or, a, you know, a thing that you're going through. And you're like, man, they are coming against you like for real. They're lying about you. They're saying things that aren't true about you. They're telling you you can't do that and be that. And they're telling you that you're awful because your mom was awful and your grandma was awful. And because they were all awful, you're awful too then. I mean, people come to hurt you. That, I mean, they do. But in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read here, and it's not very many scriptures today, but, but we're going to talk about this one in Ephesians chapter 4. It's verse 31 and 32. And a couple years ago, we did a series on the heart and about how important it is for us as individuals and as, and as, and as human beings to guard our heart. In Proverbs, I know this is Ephesians, but in Proverbs, Solomon says that we need to guard our heart because out of it flow all of the issues of life. Like, that, that we have gotten really, we're really good about being good. See, we are more about behavior modification and manipulation than we are about cleaning our heart and being pure. That's what that series was about. It was about this idea that says, I am good like 90% of the time. But when that lady pushes me, when she gets me to that point, when my wife finally, I'm telling you what, I've been nice all week, but I had to, that was it. I couldn't take it anymore. I had to give a piece of my mind. That's, That's trying to be good as long as you can, but having a serious heart issue and attitude. And things come in your life and hurts come and offenses come and stuff goes on and stuff goes wrong and... It's up to us to deal with whatever that is. Well, I think God was going to, yeah, God will take it out. He'll take care of it. You've got to give it to him, though. It happened to you, but you've got to give it to him. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he was sharing some things with them, and they were eating, and some of the leaders came along, and they said, that they said hey, why are your disciples eating, and they're not washing their hands? They're going to be defiled, eating with dirty hands. He said, listen, you don't, you don't understand. You're, you're, you're so full of behavior. You're so full of, of, of all these rules to manipulate things. He said, it's not really what goes in the man that defiles the man. He told them it's the thing that stays in there that defiles them. Basically, guard your heart. Allow it to pass. He uses the example of the fact that you eat and that it all goes away. That it doesn't stay on the inside of you. That you eat and it passes. Hurts should too. Offenses, when people come against you and they wrong you, they harm you, those should pass. You shouldn't walk in unforgiveness. You should be able to just say, okay, Father, I give it to you. But you don't know what they did. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just telling you how to deal with it. That you're not defiled because you were hurt. You're not defiled because somebody did something wrong to you. What defiles you is what you allow to remain there. 
Because what happens is you build up a little guard around your heart that's a little wall, and hardness sets in. And then everything you see, everything you think, everything you do is seen and done and and, and shared about through this, not rose-colored glasses anymore, these dirty lenses of hurt. You hear things through these filters. So everything they say, they may be saying nice things to you, but you hear them through this filter of hurt. And it may not be them who hurt you. It may have been somebody else. But you still, you've built up this thing in your heart. You can go back online and find those at victorylafayette.org and check out that series on the heart. We go through a whole bunch of different things. But this is one of the scriptures that we talk about in there. And I wanted to share about it today as we move through here and talk about bitterness. We're on our series, The Crazy Train, and it's, it's really derailing the crazy in your life. I mean, you know folks who are crazy, and they just, they just do stuff, man. It just doesn't make sense. They act crazy. They say crazy things. They, oh. It's because they've been hurt, because they're insecure, because they, they deal with comparison. Those are the first two things, insecurity and comparison. We talked about those the last two weeks. Today we talk about bitterness, because bitterness, bitterness never makes you better. Bitterness never makes you better. It makes you bitter. And that's no good. And in this particular passage, Paul's writing in Ephesians, and he says, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, the harsh words, the slander, as well as all types of evil. He says, listen, folks, I know people have hurt you. I know that you're mad at them. I know they have done you wrong. I know you have been through things. But listen, if you want to be all right, if you want to be okay, if you want to do it the right way and live your life correctly, you have to get rid of the bitterness. He says, I know anger comes. Put it down. I know the opportunity for offense comes. Let it go. I know hurts are going to come your way. Don't throw back harsh words. No slander, lies, no evil behavior. It goes on and it says, instead of that, be kind and considerate and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God has through Christ forgiven us. And you think, well, yeah, but that's Paul. Yeah, man, but he was like, (laughs) you want to talk about being attacked? Go back and read Acts all the way through the end. I mean, he was, people were coming against him all the time. The disciples, they all were trying to live this life. The apostles who all came out of that in the book of Acts, they were all trying to live this thing. Heck, they all got hung upside down, boiled in oil and killed and lived, ended up in horrible deaths because people came against them. But he says, hey, even in those situations, listen, we have to be kind and compassionate and forgiving. In another version that's actually a little bit more like today's kind of world and words, it says, stop being bitter, angry, and mad at others. It's a little more clear for me. Wrath and all that kind of stuff I'm not sure about. But when it says, stop being bitter, angry, and mad at people. Yeah, but they did me wrong. Yeah, but they abused me. I'm not saying stay where there's abuse. I'm saying forgive the abuser. But this has happened forever. And I'm sorry. The enemy's a bad guy, man. He wants to steal, kill, and to destroy from you. But God is. I know this. Good. And he is not the one who harmed you. It was the enemy. But he is the one who can heal you if you give it to him. But if you hang on to it, it will destroy you. 
It will absolutely eat away at you and it will destroy you from the inside out. It says stop being bitter, stop being angry, and stop being mad at others. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you. Bitterness is nothing more than anger and disappointment from being treated unfairly. You were treated unfairly. And you hold resentment and bitterness because of what happened. It will destroy you. It will ruin you. Yes, but I'm justified. It's not about justification. It's about forgiveness. And it's about being righteous in his eyes. He loves you. He cares about you. He realizes and understands that you have been through her. He's God. How does he know that? He sent his son to come down here and live in this earth and to face all of that junk, those hurts. It says that we don't have a savior who who can't relate to the fact that we're going through stuff. It says he can relate. But you know what he does in that point? He doesn't say, oh, yeah, I know how you feel, man. That's horrible. He says, you can do it. You can make it. I made the way for you. That's what he says instead. We tend, to, we tend to focus on the offense and the thing that comes. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he tells them, listen, don't be surprised. Offenses are going to come. People are going to hurt you. They're going to come against you. They're going to transgress. They're going to steal. They're going to lie. They're going to cheat. People will try to ruin you, he tells them. It's not what happens to the man that matters. It's what happens inside the man that matters. It's not the fact that offenses came, hurts came, anguish came. You've been through things. That, that's not the, what did it do to you on the inside? Did you let it go or did you hold on? Well, I'm not bitter. Ask the people that, that know you the most. Ask the people who you live with. Well, I don't have a problem with bitterness or unforgiveness. Ask your husband. Ask your wife. Ask your kids. Ask, ask that person at work that you eat lunch with every day. Now, you know, you're going to have to be able to face honest. I mean, you know, you're going to, I don't believe you have to do that. I believe if you be honest with God and say, God, do I, you know, where, where am I going wrong? Do I have an issue here? Is there a problem? I believe he'll, he'll tell you and he'll show you. But if not, you can just ask Joel. He'll tell you. He'll let you know where you've been going. You know, Bitterness, man, it controls you. It's unfulfilled revenge, John Bevere says. Bitterness is unfulfilled revenge. You can't get back at him. It just seeds. He has a book that he wrote years ago called The Bait of Satan. The fact that offense, that word offense there in Luke chapter 17, it literally means like the trigger to a trap or to a snare. And his book is The Bait of Satan. It's the thing that he holds out here because once you grab hold of that offense, then he's got you. That hurt and that, that disappointment and that being treated unfairly. I'm not even talking about the accidental things. I mean, I am saying like these are the things that actually did happen. Like these people actually said that about you. This actually went down. They actually treated you that poorly. Let it go or it'll kill you. But they don't deserve to be. I, nobody said they deserve to be. Do you want to be okay? 
or do you want to be destroyed? It's pretty simple. It causes you to do all this stuff. You lose control. You get confused. You condemn them. You feel condemned yourself. If you allow this this bitterness and this unforgiveness to, to seethe and to grow on the inside, it becomes a root. And it'll begin to envelop your heart and your life. And I know it says, you know, that roots are underground. But listen, eventually they spring up. And no matter how pretty they look like when they come up, there's still a weed that came from a root of bitterness. It's not what happens to you that destroys you. It's what happens on the inside of you that destroys you. There's a story that I heard a guy, Jensen Franklin, tell, and it was, it's not real, it's made up, but it, it, was, it, was, it really impressed upon me the, the truth of this fact. And it's, this, it's, a, it's a story, just this, this guy was going along and he got bit by a rattlesnake. And so they like grab him and they, you know, they call the ambulance and they throw him in the ambulance and they rush him to the hospital and you know, he's laying there in the ambulance and they, they get him in the hospital and they wheel him into the, to the emergency room and then he comes in, the doctor comes in and checks him out and he says, doctor, doctor, is the, is the bite fatal? And he said, no, the bite's not fatal. He said, whew. But he said, the poison that was injected is. Then suck out the poison. <laughs> Get it out. What happens to you isn't the thing that destroys you. It's what's infected you that destroys you. Do you allow that thing to stay there and to roll around and to seethe? It basically becomes in your life like a movie that never stops. It plays in your head like 24 hours a day. You may think you're all right for a few minutes, but then, man, you eventually come right back to it. I don't have that problem, Pastor. Ask the people you live with. Ask the people that know you best because your vocabulary, what you do, will end up back if you haven't dealt with it, if you haven't let go of it, if you say you have, if you've tried, but it hasn't, you, you eventually end up right back in that place. And they'll probably be able to tell you what the problem was, the people who know you best. Well, why do you say that? Because bitterness shows itself. Unforgiveness shows itself to the people who are around you. But many times our eyes are blind to it. Until God begins to quicken us and show us and tell us. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I was done wrong. Yep. And you're going to get hurt and you're going to get wronged. And it's probably going to be by people who are closest to you. Because how many of you had some guy walking down the road who you don't know say something and mortally wound you? It's people who are closest to you. It's the people who you trusted who let you down. It's the people who you gave yourself to and they kicked you around and abused you. I don't know what you've been through and I'm not, I am not in any way saying that it didn't happen and it's not real. But I am asking you or sharing with you this truth. Stop rehearsing the hurt. Turn the movie off. 
Elizabeth has a, a real penchant for movies. She loves them. And I'm telling you, we could all get up and leave her because the movie is just heinous. It could be the worst movie ever. And she will stay to the end. We could all be sitting in the parking lot. We can all be upstairs. She will stay. She's got she's to see the end. Listen, the end for that movie of Hurt that plays in your head is going to end two ways, in destruction or in freedom. And you can change what's being played in your head that quick. If, if you let it go. Stop rehearsing. Well, I don't do that. Well, when you get in the car and you begin to drive, do you have those imaginary arguments and conversations? That you know you're headed home and you know your wife did this or your husband did this or you know when you're headed to work in the morning that your boss is the one who's hurt you, that you should have got that promotion and you didn't, you should have had that job, you should have been driving that car and you're not. You you should have been in this position, but somebody else chose something else. You were in this thing, but somebody else told you you couldn't do that. And and you're on your way to that. And, man, you're having the argument in your head. If they say this, I'm going to say this. I'm going to come back with this, and it's going to be like this. And then all of a sudden, man, you are holding onto the steering wheel so tight, your hands are locked, and you're sweating, and you're talking to yourself, and you got yourself all worked up, and nothing has even happened. That's crazy. Right? I mean, I know, because I do that all the time. When I drive to church, I'm like, if that Corey says this, I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to kick him in the head. <laughs> I kick him in the head. How about that? That's the, I don't know where that came from. Just, no. I could pull his hair, I guess. But, but see, people drive up and they're like, man, that guy's crazy. Look at him. Look at him. Do you have those kind of imaginary conversations? See, that's rehearsing the hurt. No, no, I'm just going to get myself, I'm going to get it right once and for all. (laughs) Not your job. That's God's. See, bitterness and unforgiveness become very judgmental and critical. And you excuse your bad behavior, your bad thoughts, and, and that bitter root that's forming on the inside of you. You excuse it by saying, listen, I just want justice here. Well, whose job is it to bring justice? God's, not mine. Yeah, but they deserve. Well, let him deal with that. There are plenty of things that I deserve that I'm not going to get because of the blood of Christ and his forgiveness. But if you won't look past it, I'm telling you, if you won't look past it, it'll kill you. In Isaiah 43, It's chapter uh, 43, verse, I think, 18 and 19. Is that right? It's the Lord speaking to and through Isaiah, and he says to the children of Israel, and I believe he would say to us as we rehearse that movie over and over and that hurt and that pain and that anguish and that unfairness and all those things, he says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, he says, I will do a new thing, Now it shall spring forth. It can't spring forth. If there's a root of bitterness in your heart, you have to get rid of that. You can't have good things come from bad roots. It doesn't work. Well, I came to church 10 times. Yeah, but you still got a bad root. You still got hurt in there. You still got unforgiveness. You're still still holding on. He says, I'll do a new thing. 
It's going to spring forth. Shall you not know of it? A couple chapters earlier, he begins to say this to them again, and he says, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when a new thing's coming. And it says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Bitterness, man, it makes you do crazy, crazy stuff. It takes you from standing as a child of the king and the light and the love of God to the dark side. Sometimes in an instant, sometimes over a period of time. If you continue to rehearse that and come to church and try to get better, but then go home and continue to rehearse that and then come to church and try to get better, that's only going to make it worse. So you tell me I shouldn't come to church? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is stop rehearsing the hurt. Yes, come to church. Yes, allow him to set you free. Yes, give it to God. But then when you walk out of those doors, continue to stay free. Listen, this, just, this affects more than just you. This affects the people who are around you. This affects those ones who come after you. I don't know about that. Well, listen, you've seen this happen just as I have. Family has four kids. They go through a devastating situation, maybe a bitter divorce. Have you heard of those? They suffered a bitter loss. They got four kids. Three of them deal with it in a way that's positive and constructive and biblical, and they give those things to God, and they don't allow those things to stick on the inside of them, and it doesn't affect their heart. One of them doesn't. And as you follow that line from that family, you'd be amazed at what you find as you go down. I shared one time about these two families. One of them was a guy who was a preacher and loved God and trusted God, and another guy was a bad guy who was a convict and did nothing but drink and smoke and, and, and run around with women and do things, and they, they, they followed their descendants all the way down, and, and just the, the, the junk that came out of the guy who was a mess was unreal. Like two-thirds of everybody that came from him went, had been in prison, been to jail. They were murderers in that line and all kinds of things. And the other guy who came out of that other side, they, they were senators and they were graduates and you know, they were, had great lives. And I'm telling you, that can happen within your family, within your kids, if some of them handle it well and some don't. I had somebody stop me after first service and say, that's exactly what's going on with my kids. We'd gone through this thing, this hurt, this difficulty. Somebody came against us, our family. You know what it's like because the great-great-grandchildren know why they're in that position because somebody did this to my great-great-grandfather. See, you've rehearsed the story. Not just with you, but with them. Don't rehearse the story of how you were hurt and abused with your children unless they need that as a testimony to how you got set free for them to get set free in their life. We'll talk about addiction next time. And the fact that just because grandma and mom and you, you're all addicted, that doesn't mean your daughter's going to be addicted and stop thinking that way. There's this movie series, Star Wars, 
right? And I don't, I don't sit around and just play with dolls all the time. Last week, right, I had, I had Woody and, and Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story, and this week I, I've got this guy, who I did not, if you're my age or above, we did not know who this was. Okay, apparently, this is Anakin Skywalker. Now, we know Luke Skywalker, and we know Darth Vader, and we know Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan and even Yoda, they're like, they're the force, the good force. They're the good guys. We know that. But for those of us who are older, not you young people, us older folks, we only knew one thing. Darth Vader was a bad guy. He was the Lord of Darkness. We have no idea where he came from. We didn't know that. We just, man, he just showed up on the scene a long time in a galaxy far, far away. You know, <laughs> I couldn't read fast enough. I had to watch the movie 10 times to get the whole thing. See, we, Darth Vader just showed up bad. He didn't start bad. He didn't start as the Lord of Darkness. He actually started as the Prince of Light. He was the chosen one when he was little. They found him and they realized that the force was strong with this one. And they began to train him and began to help him grow up in the force and in goodness and in light and in light. That's his senior portrait. You know, yeah. <laughs> nice hairdo. But, you know, they, and, and you know, he goes through all this stuff. He is the, look, you are the chosen one, right? We talked about that last week. You're a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood. Jesus said in John, look, I chose you. You didn't choose me. You are the chosen one. His light and his life is on the inside of you. The force is with you, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, I mean, that's, that's who Anakin was as he poses there at graduation. I don't know what that is, but, you know, he's the valedictorian of his Jedi class, whatever. But he, and then all of a sudden there are hurts and fears and things come. That's Padme, Right? Okay, Padme, that's his, that's his girl. They get married, and then they're going to have a baby. And then he gets, a, he gets afraid that she's going to die. And then, it, then he starts perceiving all of the things that are going around him through this filter of hurt and this filter of fear and this filter of bitterness and unforgiveness toward his friends who are now starting to treat him unfairly. And then there's Chancellor Palpatine. Right, Milo? Oh, yeah, okay. You know too. Great. Yeah, see, they all know all this stuff. I don't know. Some guy named Palpatine. He's supposed to be the good guy of the good guys, but he's really not. He's the last dark Sith Lord. <laughs> what is it? Who's this dark Sith Lord? He's on the planet Abubu and, you know, wherever. I, mean, I don't understand this. But, but the principle behind this, man, is, I mean, it's true. Right? He's the last dark Sith Lord, and he begins to whisper in Anakin's ear all of this stuff. That he has, there's more power out there than you, that, that you know what, you have been wronged. That you know what, you can save Padme. You know what, they, they don't believe you, they don't understand you, they don't listen to you. You have been unjustly and unfairly persecuted by the other Jedis because they brought you in, but they didn't make you a master. And he begins to pull on him and pull on him. And there's a change that, that, that happens. He begins to go down this side. He doesn't stop that. He continues in it. Continues in the hurt. Continues rehearsing the unfair treatment. Continues to rehearse it. Now, I'm not, those things, they may or may not have happened. I'm not saying they didn't happen in your life. Stop rehearsing them. Well, it's not that big a deal. No, no, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
And as he begins to meditate this thing, he goes all the way from like the Prince of Light, like the man, like the one who's going to save the Republic, all the way down to laying, imagine, in a lake of fire. Isn't that odd that that movie goes clear back down to a lake of fire where he becomes really the dark guy? Satan was once a Prince of Light. But he chose to turn away from worshiping God. So now they end up in this place. And at this moment, he he won't let go. And Obi-Wan is fighting him, but he's saying, why are you doing this? What is going on with you? Where did this come from? How did you get here? Why is this happening? And he's trying to fight him, and he doesn't turn. He refuses to let it go. He refuses to stay on the right side. He's, he's, he's worked himself, rehearsed himself, got himself to a point now where he's laying on the ground next to the lake of fire with no legs, no arms, and then he catches on fire and he looks up at, at Obi-Wan and says, I hate you! I hate you, he says. He's rehearsed it, man. He's, he's, just, he's just done nothing but just like rehearse it. And then he becomes, in the end, you know, Darth Vader, the Lord of Darkness. Listen, bitterness, it, it, it's a cancer that will kill you before you die. It'll kill you on the inside. I mean, they, it, it, emotionally, it just, it, just, it just decimates you. And I'm not telling you what, I'm not telling you, you know, to, to, to I, I don't know what's happened in your life. I'm just saying, listen, you can't hang out with the person who's abusing you. I'm not saying to do that. I'm just saying to, to forgive them and let God do something in your life. The person who's hurt you. I'm not asking you to go sit out and have lunch with them every day. I'm just, just saying, hey, can you let go of it and forgive them and say, God, bless them. Because it doesn't, people actually do this. They get cancer and they're more concerned with how they got it than how to get rid of it. That's a bitter root. When you become more concerned with the how and the why you got hurt and harmed, when you become more concerned with that than getting rid of it, that's when you start to know you have a bitter root. I don't care how I got it. I'm only interested in how do I get rid of it? What do I do to let it go? What do I do? But I've tried to let it go, and I can't. Jesus told Peter, when Peter asked him, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Because I mean, like 27, can I punch him? Like if he slaps me around, how many, six, seven, eight times, 25, when do I get to deck him? And Jesus said, you can forgive 70 times seven. He said, all right, 491. I'm keeping track. He said, no, you don't, (laughs) you're still not getting it. Continually forgive him. I'm telling you, you forgive him, you let that thing go, the enemy is going to start that movie again in your head. As soon as you, you're going to come up here today, open up your heart, you're going to throw your hands up and say, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. Take this thing away from me. I forgive them. I forgive myself 
for all that I've done that was wrong, that's got me into this place. I forgive me today. Then you're going to go out that door. I'm telling you, the enemy's going to start that movie on you. Turn it off. He says, forgive them 70 times seven. What, what in the world does that mean? Forget them until, forgive them until it doesn't bother you anymore. Until it doesn't bother you. That when you see them, all you want to do is bless them. When they come by you at work and they got your job and you didn't get that job, bless them. When they come by you in that car that you thought you should have, bless them. When they walk up with your boyfriend, when they walk up with your girlfriend, Milo, some dude stole at school, suckered into taking your girl from you, bless him. You probably didn't want that one anyway. Bless him. Oh, God, my sister has harmed me. She's hurt me. But you know what? I forgive her, and I choose you. And so today, I pray that you bless them. Bless their socks off. I mean, give them the abundance, Father, that you have for them, that the plan and the purpose for their life is fulfilled. Yeah, but they hurt me. I mean, they mortally wounded me. Yes, but you're not dead. Get up. God hasn't called you to curse. He's called you to bless. And he says in his word, bless those who spitefully use you. Bless them. I don't know if I can do that. Then you're the one who we need to pray for today. If you can't get there, I mean, if you can't even like, I don't know, man. Then we got to pray. Because you can't get set free from that root of bitterness in your heart. Until you give it to God and allow him to do the work in your life. Amen. Let's stand up because I want to pray for you this morning. I know. I mean, you're here and you say, it's not my fault. I know. It's not. It's not your fault. They, They hurt you. You didn't deserve what happened to you. But that doesn't matter, does it? You didn't do anything. The devil's a... Anyway, sick punk. Let's just say that. Who steals and who kills and who destroys. But you're getting better, not bitter. Every day, better, not bitter. Every day, I choose. I choose to trust God. I choose life. Curse the enemy and his work in our life. I choose to get better not bitter the blame game only sabotages you it makes you a victim and the world is full of victims listen okay this may we're all victims at some level we are all victims it's how you deal with being a victim we're all bit what do you do with the poison in your life just close your eyes right where we are today because i want to pray for you Pastor, you don't know. You don't, you, don't, you don't know what... I know that it doesn't matter. Because he's the one that really matters. And today in this place, you may be here. And I'm telling you, you may have been wronged and hurt. You may have been abused. And I am sure not telling you 
to hang out in an abusive situation whatsoever. That is not the message of this church. But I do tell you this. You're going to have to let them go. You're going to have to forgive. Yeah, but they keep hurting me. Then you keep forgiving them. But it keeps coming back. Then you keep forgiving them. But I've carried this thing for so long, it's like part of me. Let it go. It has become part of you. It's become a bitter root. And the only way out of that is through forgiveness. Forgiving yourself. Maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I am my own worst enemy. Maybe somebody trounced on you, and that's been you. You're like, man, I, I know what, exactly what you're talking about. If you've already, let me just tell you this, if you've already figured out who you won't forgive, <laughs> like, okay, God, I'll forgive all these other people and these other things, but I, I, I can't, if you can't go there, that's where you need to go. That's where, see, it's, it's that point, it's that place, it's, it's that moment, it's that thing that's hurt you and harmed you, it's that thing that's kept you there. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to be completely free. I, I, I want this root torn out of my life. And I want to stand before him righteous and clean today and not hurt and not bitter, but better. Just raise your hands right where you are. I want to pray for you right where you are. I'm just going to see all over this place. It was no different in the other services. Just keep your hands up there. Just keep, You know that's you. Just let God work on your heart here a second. Because he's the, see, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Chaotic love has messed me up. His love, man, I'm telling you, it breaks chains. It breaks bondages. It cleanses your heart. It changes who you are. That chaotic love that he pours out that doesn't make any sense, that absolutely arrests you and holds you and makes everything okay. It takes away the hurt. It takes away the pain and the bitterness and the unforgiveness that you've been carrying around for so long. That chaotic love. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.